Welcome everyone, my name is Arthur Burton, I'll be your host today for Living in America. This is a brand new podcast that um, kind of grew out of um, an interest of me and my buddies sitting around talking about how different things are, how things have changed, and what we can probably do to make it better. Today we're going to focus on um, the worst schools in America. And it surprised to me while I was doing my research that there's about a hundred schools. There's much more than that, but about a hundred schools that lack funding. Most of these schools are in urban neighborhoods and, you know, the parents don't really have the time, the finances or the resources to fight against um, any type of uh, uh, law or anything. And what ends up happening is that the schools get closed. One of the schools in particular I'd like to talk about is uh, West Virginia. West Virginia, they said, is the worst educated U.S. state. It has an overall score of like a 23.65 out of 100. And I'm going to tell you, as we look, we're going to probably just choose from the top 20. That should give us enough uh, background. And I'll read some of these states off it to you so that um, you can kind of um, go through it. Maybe some of you live in these states. Maybe some of you have comments about the schools. Some of you may even have firsthand knowledge. Um, sitting at number one, we have uh, West Virginia. And by far, from the research we've done, they said that's about the worst educated state in the U.S. Then we also we have Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas. Alabama, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Nevada, New Mexico, Tennessee, Michigan, Oregon, Arizona, Idaho, Alaska, South Carolina, Texas, Missouri, Indiana, and last but not least, we have South Dakota. So West Virginia, by far, is noted as the worst State individuals have associate's degrees and bachelor's degrees, but it's only 20% of the population and um, has a, a very, very poor education. And that's attributed to the financial insecurity of many of the families that are, are living there. And what this means is that a lot of people who are maybe poor are the ones that are not going to furthering their education and a lot of them aren't even graduating high school or obtaining GEDs. Those people will go out and they'll probably get jobs and they'll be paid a you know minimum wage and they will continue to live poor. And the issue happens now is like when the schools for the let's say K through twelve close and the children may need to be transported a little further uh, yeah, they do have school buses and stuff that can take them there, but it, it affects the uh, parents' ability to concentrate with their child not being close to home when they're attending schools. Many of these issues we're going to find um, in the United States is uh, part, partly the fault of the politicians. And... Um, I shouldn't even say partly because they have they hold the budget in their hands and schools that do not have uh, large budgets are often those that are in urban neighborhoods and the reasoning behind it is because the attendance attendance plays a big part 
in how much funding a school gets. And a lot of times we look at the higher class neighborhoods seem to get more money with financing that they don't need. And it's because the system is set up to award um, educational facilities for having an attendance rate. That attendance rate in urban communities may be 60%, and in higher and upper class neighborhoods, it may be 90%. The difference is usually in those neighborhoods where the people are doing well off, there's usually a parent that stays home, or they have the amount of finances where they can uh, obtain a nanny or somebody who will take the children to school. And even if they don't actually take them to school, they will be there and be able to be somebody there watching. You know, when I was younger, we, my parents both went to work. So on those days, me and my sister didn't want to go to school. We just waited out, you know, and get on there. Maybe we'd get on the bus and ride to the school, get on the other bus and come on back home. And then we're back home for the whole day. And by the time my parents get home, they would know that we didn't go to school. Nowadays, they have a system set up where they call the parents and let the parents know that the children haven't attended school. But the true deal is that many of these uh, parents don't have cell phones. They don't have uh, phones that are in the house. Um, surprisingly enough, a lot don't even have internet. With all things considered, when we look at the closing of schools, it has a very big effect on parents, has a big effect on children, and it definitely has a big effect on teachers. Teacher retention is something that is really important to students. They get to know the teacher, they work with the teacher, you know, the teacher cares for them, the teacher is sort of somebody they look up to. And this can also help with a lot of things, making maybe uh, the student want to go and continue education. But teacher salaries are another thing that is really low. And when we have states like West Virginia, where they don't have a lot of funding for their schools, we can kind of imagine how much a, a teacher gets paid. All of these things will affect education. All of these things will affect um, people going forward in their education. It will affect the money they make. It will affect them and their ability to be able to start their own family and to be able to support their families. Now, there's a lot of things that need to be done, but we're kind of at a standstill because you can't make the state fund if they don't have the resources. Um, that comes from the federal government. If their schools are showing very low rates of attendance, then the federal government does not give them as much money as they'll give another another state that's um, actually doing better now. Not sure, but I believe that really the it needs to come from the top. Now, we have many schools that have computers and a lot of them, you know, kind of teach STEM and you know, science, technology, you know, math, things that can help a student when they grow older and when they go to college, they could attend uh, maybe architectural uh, or engineering type jobs and they can be educated because they kind of understand. And when you have children in poorer schools that don't have that type of education, you know, it kind of hurts everyone. Now, when we take a look at 
being below the poverty level, other things that are considered too is the health of the child, the nutrition of the child. You know, they have school lunches and school breakfast and I remember going to school and I really am not getting up earlier. I could barely get there to get on to be there on time to go there and try to have breakfast or something like that. So these um, source resources that they have are great for those that take advantage of it. And like I said, if a school closes and they have to travel a little further, a lot of parents take their children to school. So imagine if a mother now who's used to walking the child to school and then going to walk to work now has to take the child some several miles away from the home and then try to make it back to work on time. If the bosses and the corporation doesn't have policies set for, um, for work-life balance correctly, the parent can lose their job. Then what happens now is the parents, maybe they need to move. Maybe they can't afford their rent. Maybe they have to go stay with parents. Maybe they have to transfer to a different state. That also affects the child and their education. So when we look at schools being some of the worst schools and some of the reasoning behind it, it's understandable, but it still affects the child. It still affects the parent, the economic financial of that state, because if they don't have people working, they will continue to be in an economical downfall. And these are things that have been on the table for years. Problem is, is how do we come to a resolution with especially education if we can't get the buy-in from the federal government? If we can't promise that if we had more funding, we could retain more teachers, we could keep schools open in local communities and we can institute programs that can make those schools become better educators, you know, and, and that's the bottom line. We have a lot of uh, substitutes now, hundreds and hundreds in every state of teacher vacancies. And the real deal is, is the salary and the amount of loopholes that you have to jump through. I, I hold a master's in education and five, six tests need to be taken in order to actually obtain a teacher's license to be able to actually work in a school because they're looking for highly qualified teachers, which they can't possibly have if they have 50% of their workforce as substitutes with people who have bachelor's degrees in maybe English, but teach math. So there's a, in my opinion, is a big mistake somewhere within the structure of the education.